Blue, I just think it's neat that like your sexual awakening was multifaceted. You're like, baby, yes. Animal, yes. yes. <laughs> like short of a cheese fetish, you pretty much nailed like two of three in that episode. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Love in Brief, a brief ABDL advice podcast focused on issues of love. That's love for yourself, love for your kink, love for your community, love for others. There's just buckets and buckets of love in all directions. And today we're going to talk about a topic that uh, that I, once again, am super excited about and can't believe we haven't done before because it's come up in a hundred different contexts. We're 101 episodes in, now 102. And it's insane that we haven't covered this, but we're going to talk about furries in the ABDL community. We're going to learn all about furries. We're going to learn all about the overlap with furry and ABDL worlds. We'll learn some terminology and we'll meet a couple of super cool guests. And I'll even tell you a fun story about how I met these guests. So I am resident. Yes. Road Not Taken is not here tonight. She's off doing her thing. So you're stuck with just me. Um, and it is worth mentioning, by the way, I know uh, a lot of folks are going to Capcon uh, coming up in just a little bit. And um, this year we are not going to do a live Capcon episode. So when R&T and I decided to um, end our romantic relationship, we decided that uh, for the first Capcon that um, I would go, and for the second one, she would go, just so, you know, for those first couple that it felt more comfortable, like we could kind of do our own thing. But we are looking forward to reuniting at the next Capcom and doing another live show together. So if you see RNT there, please stop her and say hello. Um, hopefully she will have an amazing time, and hopefully you get to meet her at Capcom. But we won't be doing a live recording this year. But no worries, we are going to cover lots of ground in the next couple months on lots of different topics. With that said, let's talk about this topic. So I was in an airport, an airport, a couple of weeks ago, and I happened to see one of those ABU hats on a person sitting way down the way, waiting for an airplane. You know the little ABU hats that have the fella, the little furry fella poking up above the brim, the little peekaboo guy? And I was like, I got to talk to this person. And so I dropped by and said, hey, cool hat. And we had that instant moment of like, wait, do you know? Wait, do you know? And struck up a conversation, ended up on the same flight, sitting next to each other, and then had a wonderful like lunch and afternoon together and just chatted. And one of the things that I learned about this person who you're about to meet is that they not only identify as ABDL, but also as a furry. And I get to ask all kinds of questions and learn about furries and the furry community and furry history and furry art and all kinds of things. And I wanted you to get in on that discussion. So these are our two guests. The person that I met in the airport, I'm going to introduce to you now. Welcome, uh, Blue, to Love and Brief. Hi there. I'm so glad you're here. And did I tell our story, our, our origin story, more or less accurately? Yeah, I think that was pretty much uh, pretty good to sum it up. And I wasn't the only person, by the way, who noticed your little peekaboo hat that day. Like while we, you and I were chatting, somebody else was like, hey, cool hat. <laughs> was that yeah. the reaction you were hoping to get to this hat? Oh, yeah. No, it's it's the best hat. I mean, it's like the people it attracts are the ones that you're trying to seek out. And it's a great way to make friends as, you know, we experience in this case. Right. How cool is that? And it turns out, you know, we even hail from the same area, right? Because we were in the same airport. So how cool is that? Yeah, that was awesome. And um, speaking of same area, you're actually sitting in a room with another person who lives in our shared area as well. So welcome to the show, Coco. Hello. Thank you so much for joining. We did not meet in an airport, but we are meeting now. Yes. <laughs> Still pretty good. Yep. Um, so I, there's one question I, I always like to ask at the beginning. Blue, tell me about your love. What's going on with your love right now? My love would have to be furry, um, like just as a whole, because, you know, ever since I was, you know, middle school age, um, that sort of thing, you know, I had moved several times growing up and I didn't really have any friends, at least in person. Um, a lot of, you know, my classmates and stuff like that, you know, I, I didn't get to stick around with people for a while. So the furry community is just, you know, amazing in the fact that it's a bunch of people all around the world who, you know, as a majority, I have found some amazing people and lifelong friends within the community. 
Um, but, you know, it's definitely one of my loves because it's something I identify with and, you know, just a, a great place to find friends and, you know, really close to my heart. That's so cool. And some of the, some of the words that you're using, some of the descriptions you're using are descriptions that I've used to describe my experience with the ABDL community. You get both. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It is awesome. That's so cool. And, and Coco, tell me about your love right now. I'd say my love right now is probably my uh, local furry community that I have because we're just, Starting to get back into the swing of things again as people are coming out of their three year long <laughs> hibernations and getting ready to get out and have meets and things and getting together. And um, it's been really great because the past uh, year or so I've met a lot of uh, local uh, furries who are also ABDL and it's been really good for me having, um, people to experience that more with. Wait, so we're, I, I am surrounded by furries who are also ABDL in my area. Yes. Oh, this is so exciting. Cause you just never know, right? This is so exciting. I can't wait to meet some of these other folks and, and to hang out in person. That's way cool. I also think it's fun. You chose the term hibernating to describe what all the furries have been doing for a while. <laughs> That's great. So, I, I mean, I think we should start at the basics friends and, and uh, whoever wants to share can at any time, but it, there is no perfect definition for anything in kink, right? We know that, but can you describe to me and to those who maybe don't know what's a furry? I think the the traditional definition fits it pretty well, which would be uh, fans of anthropomorphic animals, um, which pretty much means animals with human characteristics. So, you know, you've got your walking, talking dogs and foxes, and, you know, that's, you know, a pretty good way to sum it up from a, like a kind of a dictionary definition. But whenever we get kind of deeper into that, um, a lot of that, you know, that manifests in a lot of ways. I mean, you can go back to, you know, the the origins of, you know, stuff like that, talking, you know, native, you know, traditional art, things like that from, you know, uh, mythology and stuff, stuff like that. You have animals that have been adapted to share traits that we have as humans have, you know, exclusively. Um, but, you know, in a modern context, that would be things like, you know, cartoons, you know, so you get a lot of the start of furry and, you know, some of the early stuff from like, um, you know, the the fandom, uh, we can go back to the original definition part, but, um, you know, the origins of like the furry subculture um, coming around was definitely kind of the, the 70s and 80s as the start of the kind of conventions and online era. But definitely, I would say a furry is a fan of anthropomorphic animals, and that can be cartoons, art, television, movies, you know. I, mean, I know you've seen them, definitely. Um, you know, a lot of fan favorites, and, you know, especially for uh, younger audiences would be, you know, like Zootopia or Puss in Boots and things like that to be topical and, you know, recent. Yeah, that's really interesting because there are so many of us, uh, I mean, maybe particularly in the ABDL community, but in general, like, you know, people who just go to Disneyland, like we see anthropomorphized animals. I don't know that we've thought of them as furries. Where, where, where is there, or is there a, a delineation between somebody who would say, I identify as a furry and somebody who's like, I just really dig Puss in Boots or I just really dig the fox from Zootopia? I think it's one of those things where... It's if you want to identify as that, because I would say, you know, someone who's, you know, a big fan of, for example, the My Little Pony fan uh, fans, right? You know, that's a anthropomorphized animal. Um, and, you know, this is up for debate, but, you know, and you could say, OK, well, you can also identify as a furry because that's, you know, within the realm. Uh, same for, like you said, Disney fans. Um you know, that's a huge one. I know lots of Disney furries who, you know, live in, you know, the Orlando area. And that's something that they do on the regular. But 
you know, just because you're a fan of that, if you don't identify with that, if you don't want to be labeled as a furry, you don't have to identify as that. But I think it's just a personal choice. And by doing such, then, you know, you've joined that community. And then, you know, now people are going to interact with you in that sort of way. Hmm, so you sort of opt in and say, yes. yes, this is me. And that's then how people respond. Yeah. So you could be a giant fan of Mickey Mouse and not necessarily opt in, or you might. Oh, yeah, 100%. It makes sense. And Coco, for you, how did you know that you were a furry? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> so this is going to be kind of a weird one for me because it wasn't until much later in life that I um, really started to identify as a furry. Um, I'll say kind of the stereotypical answer that um, Robin Hood from the Disney Robin Hood did make me feel funny when I was younger. And uh, this would be the fox in, in green tights. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it, uh, it, I didn't necessarily have the words to express what that was um, for a long time, or nor did I really feel like, I mean, I had seen things about furries and popular media that aren't <laughs> necessarily in the best of light. Like, uh, for example, there's a, a CSI episode that's pretty infamous. Oh, the CSI episode. That's <laughs> yeah. classic. You know, and ABDLs have one too, right? There's one. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. King baby. King baby. Right. And, and, and ABDLs, I mean, you guys identify in both communities, but we also have that episode of Tom and Jerry that some people are like, Ooh, that one made me feel funny. Like baby or whatever. Like it, 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 you're almost like telling me my own story. It's just, we're substituting interests a little bit. You have just reminded me that that may have been something that awoken something in me <laughs> because I remember growing up and watching that episode very, very clearly. So one of the things that we've seen in popular culture with both ABDLs and furries is there is, there is some misperceptions, right? There are some things that maybe they get wrong because people like to have sort of this point and laugh moment of things that they don't understand. I'm curious if y'all have seen or heard misrepresentations of, of furry culture out there that we could speak to right off the bat and be like, Hey, that's probably not a really great representation of what you guys experience. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, it's a lot easier for people to put things into a box and not really kind of, you know, actually take the time to understand it. Um, especially like you said, point and laugh and, you know, aha, this is, you know, weird. So we're going to, you know, think, you know, put that in that box. But, uh, when it comes to furry, um, a lot of people will characterize it as a fetish or as an exclusively sexual thing. Um, and, you know, that's not a fair perception of what the fandom is. Um, now, don't get me wrong, uh, there are definitely sexual elements to furry. Um, and, you know, some people will try to kind of, you know, clean that up and, you know, portray it as something that is, you know, completely family-friendly, and there's no porn here, but... You know, that's actually a really important thing for a lot of artists in the community is the art they draw and, you know, uh, 18 plus themes are definitely a part of that. Um, but definitely, you know, furry as a fetish um, really subtracts from the culture in the sense of, you know, friendships and people and meetups and conventions and all the, you know, organized and, you know, unorganized things that happen within the fandom, it just kind of shoves it all into a box and says, oh, well, look, this is a, a tag on your favorite porn site. You know, it's it, it relegates all the social and emotional aspects away from it and portrays it as something that's, you know, uh, weird, uncanny or, you know, especially in legal stuff recently, you know. That's something that, you know, should be criminalized or, you know, people that are into that, um, you know, definitely shouldn't be allowed in society. Um, and that, you know, is kind of dangerous and also, you know, not genuine to the community as a whole. 
Um, and, you know, going back to the sexual thing, you know, oh, everybody wants to say, oh, do you fuck in those fursuits? <laughs> because yeah. that is something we get asked a lot. Um, the answer is maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite answer. Do you, look, I'm tired of being asked in this question, but also, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that, it's the true answer. The majority, like, honestly, I, I would say as high as like 90% no. Really? But yeah. Oh, it's, it's honestly for, for, you know, at least every 10 fursuits. I mean, I know a lot of people that would never even consider doing that. I mean, you have to keep in mind, these are expensive pieces of shag carpet and not just for shagging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your choice of words is fantastic there. But you're right. Like, it may not be the sort of thing that you want to go fucking in. Do you find that this, I mean, you, you mentioned this sort of sexual side maybe is, you know, sort of reductive, right? Like, it doesn't show the whole community. Tell me about the non-sexual furry world, because I, I that's something I hadn't thought a lot about. I always sort of, I guess, equated it with more like ABDL, where there tends to be a really sexual element, and it's you know, it lives in the sort of adults only sexual realm. Is this, I know there are non-sexual ABDLs, don't get me wrong, but tell me about the non-sexual side of furrydom. Yeah. So, so furry, I would say is pretty heavily non-sexual when it comes to, uh, well, to a point from origin perspective, because, you know, furry, there's a huge, like the origins where it's definitely a lot of like sci-fi community. So you have a lot of people that are really invested in science fiction and fantasy themes. Um, and, you know, that plays an important role in kind of where it came from. And, you know, people experimenting, you know, with the idea, oh, well, you know, what if so-and-so animals, you know, had these traits? And a lot of that can take place in a magical world or whatever. And you have, you know, all these headcanons and, you know, stories and, you know, the story community within furries for fan fiction, you know, role playing, all that sort of thing. That's a, that's a really big draw. Um, especially for people that want to make friends and stuff like that. Uh, you know, the, the story and fantasy community is really big within it. But, um, as far as like also the non-sexual side, um, just like people make a lot of friends within the community and it's a good way to, I would say find people that you automatically have at least one thing in common with um, over any distance. So, you know, like you could say, you know, you got you got car people, right? Or, you know, people that like keyboards or musicians. But like, you know, when it comes to furry, it's fairly specific. And, you know, you both have kind of a way to express yourself. And this is kind of going into personas, but a lot of people it's it's an escape from reality which is like a super big draw and probably the biggest part of why people are furries and you would identify as one um because you know you don't necessarily have to have a fursona to be part of the community and i'll explain what that is a fursona would be an extension of yourself or something that you would identify as um within the community is kind of you know, imagine a, a profile, an avatar, a totem, that sort of thing. And that's you know, very helpful. Yeah, persona. Yeah, for sure. Persona yeah. uh, is pretty much a personification of what you want to be seen as within the community. Um, and oh God, I can jump off so many ways from here. Uh, I could, I could take this into you know um, LGBTQIA, uh, you know, kind of direction where. You know, going from the, you know, easy way to portray how you want to be seen into uh, the direction of, you know, why there are so many uh, LGBT community members within our group, because, you know, it's it has a history of being a safe space for uh, trans, gay, bi, mm -hmm. queer, like, commu like community members, because, uh Furries as a whole being the fact that we, you know, are constantly, you know, acting as ourselves as something else. It's really easy to put yourself in a way that you want to be seen and people will take that for granted because, you know, that's okay. That's your fursona and they're, you know, identify as female and they look this way and so and so, 
you know, that's really validating to people who are transitioning or, you know, uh, you know, have a different identity. Um, that makes yeah. so much sense to me that you, you can create this person that's in some ways or person or, or persona, I should say that in some ways more accurately represents who you are and who you see yourself as. And I can see why that would be tremendously appealing to people who have otherwise felt like they had to hide that or suppress it in one form or another. Coco, I'm curious from your perspective, you, you said you came to this later in life. What was it like coming into the community of furries and how did you find your persona? Um, well, I actually through uh online game Final Fantasy 14 had met a bunch I had just uh switched jobs and I was looking for new people in game to hang out with because my hours were shifting and I needed um to find people who were more available when I was and one of the groups I found was a group of furries and I just started hanging out with them. And <laughs> this is going to sound bad about it not being all sexual, but one of the things they had done a lot of was just send me porn, which is not a good thing for <laughs> people to do, but <laughs> they were doing it all in a, in good fun. And I oh, was hey, just we, like, we, we didn't say it wasn't at all sexual. We just said yeah. it isn't all sexual. So yes, good on you yes. for finding people you could, you know, share porn with. Yeah. And, uh, I just, I think I said, damn it one day when we we're in <laughs> chat and decided to make my, um, first persona that I have, which is my primary one that I use, which is a stoat. Um, just because I don't know what a stoat is. <laughs> He's very cute, by the way. I it's, feel it's out adorable. of the mix. What's a stoat? A stoat is a uh, short-tailed weasel. Is the oh. common term. You may also have heard ermine. Um, and if you think about the um, vestments that um, Catholic priests are sh depicted in, in um, sort of uh renaissance artwork where there's like pure white um fur linings on things that is ermine fur <laughs> so, oh okay yeah. yeah i just looked up i have to admit i furiously googled stoat <laughs> and it is the cutest damn thing i've ever seen in my life yes we are uh dangerous little murder noodles oh. um, <laughs> <laughs> we have oh it's so a baby stoat is so cute i can't stand it yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and I had always kind of um, really had a liking towards weasels, which is strange because uh, weasels and a lot of things were uh, are the bad guys. Um, <laughs> but like Who Framed Roger Rabbit was a particular favorite. That of was mine. the first thing I thought of, right? The weasels yeah. <laughs> like in the pinstripe suits and whatnot. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I really like the uh, leader of that group, Smartass. I've always kind of liked him. So Awesome. Um, and then um, also the uh, Disney adaptation of uh, Wind in the Willows with uh, all of the animals. Is there are stoats and weasels who are the people who take Toad Hall from Mr. Toad. Oh, they're bad guys. Yes. So generally seen as bad guys, but I just like um, sort of bouncy and energetic, which is really what I would like to see myself more at. Mm. So there's an element of here's who I am. And there's an element of, I also want to see myself more like this. Yes. Yeah. Is it sort of aspirational? Like I admire this about the, the particular animal that my fursona is based on. Like, and I, I want that more in my life. Yeah. For me, for me, it is, um, with, <laughs> with a lot of different things. And then I'm, I'm one type of person who has several personas just because I, um, I pick up on like different characteristics of different um, 
animals and I'll kind of like adapt what my mood is to those. Although I am primarily stoked. How wonderful to have this pantheon of, of personas that you can go to, you know, sort of animal spirits that you can go to. Cause none of us feel the same way all the time. Right. And how wonderful to be able to be like, you know, today I'm more stout and sometimes I'm scared deer or, you know, fluffy bunny or whatever it happens to be. How wonderful to have these sort of embodiments that you can lean into and experience that reflect, I think, what most of us experience, which is a change in how you feel all the time. Yep. That's very cool. When you, when you create a fursona whether it's one or multiple, what's, what sort of steps do you take? Like, I'm not an artist. I don't know how to draw the thing I'm thinking of. How do you all bring it to life, not only in your minds, but out in the world? I mean, a very easy one um, for a lot of people is uh, people make adoptable personas, which uh, this is this is very helpful for either kind of my first persona or, you know, if you're just looking for something, but you can't really put a finger on it or a paw in this case. Um, if had people, to be said. Had oh to be yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. <laughs> but artists will draw, you know, things they come up with and, you know, Hey, this creature looks cute. You know, say this got this, you know, rainbow dog or, you know, what have you, any kind of, you know, persona. And you could pay money to adopt them to be your own. And so that's actually a really simple way that people who might not know what they're looking for or have kind of difficulty choosing could do. Um, And a lot of the time, you know, you might see some features about them that you like because usually they'll put on what was called a reference sheet where it has both their characteristics maybe, and maybe some things they like and, you know, them in some different positions for other artists, which you will send this reference sheet to, because that's what they'll ask for because they need to know what your persona looks like. Um, if you commission art and, uh, that's something that, you know, you can kind of have as a fallback to go, Hey, here's my persona. This is, you know, what they like, and this is what they look like. Um, but another way that you could do that is, um, some people like myself, um, I found, you know, traits about different animals that I felt like I kind of, you know, vibed with, like they were reflective of me in different ways. And, um, actually my, I'm, I'm super special cause my persona is a hybrid. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a wolf, which is a part fox and part wolf. Um, oh, cool. But, you know, there's a bunch of different species. And then, you know, you have back to the fantasy element. There's ones that definitely don't exist, such as protogens, which are pretty much robotic raptor creatures, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good description of it. Um, You might have seen them around. They're pretty popular nowadays, but they have like a face visor and very cute um, emoted face. (laughs) So these are animals that have that do not now nor have ever existed that you could also adopt as your fursona. Oh yeah. Yeah, and there's cool. there's a whole lot of them. People are very creative. Um you've got another one that's popular, uh, Dutch Angel Dragons. And I don't really know much of the lore on that one, but they are also very cute. What an incredibly creative community. I oh, mean, definitely. <laughs> To, to, to go as far as to say, look, like I'm choosing to find sort of the animal spirits that I identify with and bring them to life. That's one step. And then to go like, and I'm going to add specific clothing and gestures and actions and emotions. And then to even go further and say, for some folks, the animal that I want isn't out there. So I'm going to blend animals or I'm just going to create one. Cut oh, from yeah. whole cloth. And to have, and, and I've seen the art. I mean, you, you can't throw a stone on the internet without finding furry art because there is so much of it. And frankly, I really envy that about the furry community. There is so much creativity, so much art, so many, even uh, sort of tributes and spinoff of popular canon and popular lore. There's just so much being created all the time. Oh yeah. And it's, you know, furry pretty much has its own economy as you will, because you know, it's very uncommon for a furry to not commission at least one piece of art. Um, since 
I wouldn't say, you know, there's like, you know, kind of a gatekeeping there, but a lot of people, once they feel like they've kind of got their place in the community and they really want to commit to that, they'll go ahead and uh, buy, you know, purchase art from an artist, um, whether it be on a kind of a YCH basis, which YCH means your character here. Usually it'll be kind of a blue outline of what the art would look like, which is nice because usually those are cheaper and it's kind of a pre-made mold that they will, you know, color in with your character kind of deals. Um, but definitely like you've got the art, you've got, you know, physical items like fursuits, you've got clothing, merchandise, brands, uh, you know, and you get to conventions, there's, there's furry games. There are, you know, furry stories, books, art, literature, and pornography, you know, there's, you know, just a gigantic diverse selection of furry that you can also fill your house with. So, I mean, for sure, you describe an economy and it, you're exactly right. There's an entire world out there of, of furry creativity. I, I am curious because, you know, it's an ABDL advice podcast and y'all both identify in the ABDL space as well. What's it like? And Coco, I'll start with you. What's it like being a furry who's also into ABDL? And does that work its way into your personas? Um, well, it's we're in kind of a weird space, but um, it's kind of joked among the uh, baby fur community, which is what we call um, ABDLs within the uh, furry community the most part or sometimes people will say diaper for for if they're not as much into the ab side of things but um we kind of joke that baby first run the fandom because a lot of <laughs> the people who run conventions <laughs> within the furry community are either well-known baby first or um privately baby first but um, oh, yeah, there's sometimes we're not always seen as the um, most positive of light. <laughs> there are there are points of contention, but yeah. I mean, ABDL in general, I think everyone can understand, you know, kind of why that is and different reasons. Yeah, I mean, certainly I've seen that in other kink circles I've I've run in where everybody's totally cool with you know, tying people down and hitting them and spitting in their mouth. And then the second somebody says anybody other, like, Oh, good God, that's just awful. Right. Because they don't really understand what ABDL is. And it sounds like it, there are spaces in the furry world where that's true as well. Yeah. But how do you navigate that? Um, we tend to find each other, uh, pretty easily. Um, and, uh, like you had mentioned in the airport with the, uh, cat we kind of call those i kind of joke as them as like the baby fur dog whistle because it's a good way at, i see yeah and uh a lot of people actually will get custom hats made out of those because the artist who drew that design for um abu will actually design one of those for you for your character and you can get custom hats made like that um but we also represent it a lot in art, and there are some people who are really comfortable uh, getting um, art of themselves in their little, medium, or big spaces. And I would say that's, uh, that's one of the nice things about uh, being a furry in the ABDL space is it's really easy to get like a representation of that side of you that you wouldn't necessarily be able to get just um, other than like fantasy and role play, but it's kind of nice to get your character drawn. Yeah. Whatever age you choose to identify. Yeah, of course. Of course. It would be really hard if like you were allowed to have your fursona, but you couldn't have the fursona that had the, the ABDL side or the little side that's important to you. When you go to, you mentioned the sort of cons and stuff are seem to be run in some ways by the baby furs. Uh, why is that? You know, honestly, I couldn't really put a finger on it um, or paw, <laughs> but 
the uh yeah if my puns are bad stop me but i i love i mean this is making- a this is a podcast full of bad puns so you're very <laughs> welcome here for sure uh, yeah there's i don't know if anyone's really figured out the phenomenon but it's definitely like an outlier like a lot of the the jokes about you know con staff or people that you know run or manage cons or you know furry spaces as a whole so say like what popular websites or forums or discord servers or whatnot a lot of a lot of them just happen to be baby furs and i'm not really sure why that is although we did just kind of have a baby fur reckoning that went through the community fairly recently with a lot of people um just you know coming out as a baby fur and publicly announcing that. And that was kind of a big deal because, you know, it's one of those things that's spoken in corridors and hushed voices kind of deal. Like, Oh, they're a baby fur or whatever, which goes back to the, you know, you you're, you're dealing with people that, you know, within the furry space, it's also very broad and diverse and you would be surprised. There are still people that are close minded about, you know, certain fetishes or certain interests. And, you know, um, for a lot of baby furs, it's, you know, like Coco had said, it's nice to kind of have a comfort character or a space that you can be. And, you know, trying to split baby furs out of the furry fandom um, isn't really, you know, a good look, nor is that something that I would agree with. But um, yeah, I'm so still, intrigued. <laughs> even this. within furry, it has its points of contention. Sure, sure, and I, you know, I think I expect that with ABDL in in all other kink overlaps. Um, but I'm so intrigued by the. I, I see the you know the people who might reject it, but I'm so intrigued by the incredible benefits and the the, the wonderful aspects of having these two sides to your your kink or your fursona if it's not kinky for you um tell me about what it's like to be a baby fur what makes it wonderful i would say definitely the fact that so i i actually have had like a hard time finding other abdls uh until like i started looking within furry because i'll tell you like i don't know what it is but something about baby furs it's just like easy to link up if you're looking within that avenue because it's very clear you know who they are and furries are extremely social creatures i'll tell you that much like that's how we operate if it weren't for that then you know there probably wouldn't be a fandom so you know usually we have every form of social media known to man or at least ways to contact us through multiple uh different devices messages whatever um and that lends itself to being able to find other people easier. And, you know, ABDLs comes, come in all shapes and sizes. And when you have people that, you know, either may be older or not super, you know, um, internet literate or online, um, you know, that makes it harder to find them, especially, you know, if you're local and looking for local people. But when you have, you know, applications or social media or ways to find and quickly identify that someone's a furry, then you have your first place to look and, you know, you can make hops and jumps from there. And it's really easy because a lot of the time they just have art that's kind of showing as such, you know, there's just like the PCATs, um, the ABU ones that you were mentioning. Um, you also have, you know, certain artists within the fandom that are known for drawing like little art and things like that. So it's nice because, you know, I mentioned uh, Marcy McAdam, uh, the Marcy badge, which is kind of a uh, it, it, it doesn't have to be something that you get, but it's really kind of a badge of honor. Like you've got your baby for card once you've got a commission for Marcy. So a lot of the time, if you see little art, then like you've immediately got that someone's a furry and they're little. Yeah, that makes sense. You can kind of spot that right on their art. And again, that's something that a lot of ABDL folks don't have, right? We don't have that iconography or that art created to represent so many aspects of our of our personality or our kink or our, our chosen identity um, that's just sort of out there for the world. And certainly some of it would not be appropriate to put out there to the world, whereas in the furry world, you really can i i'm also curious coco for you what is awesome about specifically about being a baby fur 
I would definitely agree with the being able to easily meet people um, because I was an ABDL for um, almost, let me, let me think about this, five or six years before um, I had become a furry. And I think in that time period, I was able to meet and hang out with one person. <laughs> So there was like one person I could sort of share any of that with. And, um, was it just harder to find people Coco to, to, to meet with or for me? Yeah. Yeah. But then once I, once I sort of found the baby fur community, it was easy to find people who were more interested in, I'd say the things I was interested in as well as, um, just in general, it comes up a lot easier um, just in conversation, even when you're talking like normally or just looking at art a friend has. You can see yeah. like one piece they got five years ago and you can be like, oh, <laughs> and then you can. Yeah. It's a it's a good way to sort of bring that um, information up or bring yeah. that piece of it up yeah i mean again they this the more visual iconography the more art it seems like and, and frankly my guess is there's just more people right when you describe the community you all have been to cons and stuff my guess is there's just more furries than there are people who are willing to show up at a con as an abdl or willing to show up online as an abdl and so then you you talk about that as an inroad to meeting baby furs and now you have two things in common right and they're again based solely on this anecdotal description there's more around they just seem to be easier to find yeah and you know also going to a a convention for something that you really like uh i feel like abdl would be something that even if you felt really strongly about it may be something really private for you or something that, you know, you couldn't have people know in, in furry. It's kind of the same way, like, you know, to tell your coworkers or family, Oh, I'm off to the furry convention. Well, right. then you either got to have a talk with them about what that is, uh, or, you know, the internet's going to do it for them and they're not going to have a very good time. So. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, I wonder if, so for instance, would I have started the conversation with you in the airport if there were some sort of overt ABDL symbol? Maybe, maybe not. That's very, that's quite private. And as we've already discussed, has hangups in terms of sort of public opinion that furries don't have, even though furries, there are hangups there, right? Even within the furry community, there are hangups about being ABDL, but it sounds like there's a little bit more accessibility in discussing furry. I mean, you even use the example of my little pony fans, right? Like that's pretty, I won't say it's mainstream, but it's pretty accessible. You can kind of talk about it. Oh, and that's something, you know, I'm very much into because actually those were the first conventions that I ever went to before I went to furry conventions. Ah, bronies are the gateway drugs. Uh, something like that, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted to use the term bronies. I hadn't used it in this podcast yet. And oh yeah, I was bronies. Bronies are great. They they have their moments, and yeah. <laughs> you know, I would definitely say I am one as well. Um, but R.I.P. season or R.I.P. Generation Four. Oh, I don't know what that is, but it sounds sad. <laughs> we just well, Generation Four was the most recent uh, MLP friendship is magic. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. We'll, we'll all cross our fingers for or pause for season five. Oops. Is that a thing? Hooves and season five has come out. But hooves, it's very, make, hooves it's makes very way contentious. More sense. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm so out of my league. Um, so I, I would love to know for ABDL folk who are really intrigued and, you know, maybe they had that same little twitchy feeling in their guts when they, you know, saw the, just the right episode of whatever, but for ABDLs who are really intrigued by furrydom, how would you all encourage them to begin to explore baby fur and learn more about it? Um, that would that's kind of a difficult question. Um I would say like, you know, hanging around 
furry spaces online. So maybe, you know, looking at and interacting with posts that other people make on like, I mean, I hate to say Twitter, but Twitter is where most of the furries are. Um, but you could also go on places like um, Fur Affinity is an art website um, that's, you know, pretty generic. They have, you know, some of everything uh, as furry is, you know, very wide. So you have art, you know, pieces of literally everything. Um, Fur Affinity would be a really great one. Just search that in your browser or we can leave it in the show notes. Um, and, you know, just places, places you can interact with furries and then like look for baby fur within there. I, I don't know if there's like a really great, like central location to interact with baby furs. So that kind of makes it difficult. Um, I mean, I know, okay. I, a big suggestion would be to check out telegram because telegram is like the premier furry messenger. Um, it's just, it's a messenger kind of like discord or, you know, other online chat platforms, but telegram is almost a requirement when it comes to furry, just because of not any other reason than just everybody uses it. Uh, a big Indeed. one is you yeah, can send you stickers. Talk with yeah, you can folk. send stickers. <laughs> They're that's very why. cute. It's about the stickers and the art. See, we're back to that yeah. theme. Honestly, it. yes. Yeah. Coco, I mean, you found, you mentioned you found furry later in life. How did you find Baby Fur World? And how would you encourage other people to find Baby Fur World who might be interested from the ABDL community? Um, <laughs> let's see. I, um, I had met a few uh, baby furs early on in my ABDL life when I was, uh, or just talking to people in online games mostly. Um, but then also I met, um, and that was pretty much how I got into, because the group of people that I had met in Final Fantasy, one of their partners was a baby fur and that came out pretty quickly when I was talking to them. Um, oh, I they, see. Were a, they were a skunk and skunks tend to have a bit of reputations about being baby. Furs. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. So, so there may be more skunks in, in baby furdom than, than the furry fandom at large. Okay. It, it's, it's a possibility. Possible. Is it cause they're smelly? Is it cause they're smelly? <laughs> It's a bit because they're smelly, but <laughs> <laughs> there there are skunks who are also not and will be quite offended. So yes, <laughs> want yeah. anyone to assume that, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's a pretty good bet. <laughs> That's great. So Blue, earlier we you talked about how this was really sort of a friendly space for everybody, but that in some ways it had particularly attracted LGBTQ folks because they could, you know, bring on parts of themselves that maybe they couldn't out in the rest of the world. Can you tell me more about that and the representation in the furry world? Yeah, um, definitely as far as, you know, being able to kind of be yourself and you know, experience that in a way that's really powerful. Um, and people just like off the bat will accept you as who you are. That's something within furry that you can find all over. Um, because, you know, overall it seems, you know, we have a very progressive and accepting, um, you know, group just because people come from all walks of life into furry and it's, you know, that sort of space where you can be yourself and present how you want to be presented and viewed. Um, and that's like, you know, also into the fursuiting thing where, you know, you can act how you want and be this character or, you know, who you really are um, looks aside or external, like the way that you were uh, born. And, you know, as far as LGBT goes, um, there is a like staggeringly high amount of um, people that identify as or are, you know, like that are on the LGBT spectrum um, as far as like, you know, uh, I would say straight uh, is a minority straight. And, you know, uh, cis people are definitely, you know, kind of a minority within the fandom just because mm -hmm. of, you know, a lot of people feel like outcasts and, you know, want a group to, uh, that they can identify with and also people that are just really genuinely nice. Um, and so that's something you find a lot. And so it's like, 
when you have a space that's friendly to that and you know a lot of them have either met someone who was a furry or you know the typical ways of you know finding out about the furry fandom having that be something that you really recognize and can see on your first viewing that hey there's a lot of people in here like me or i'm going to be accepted here and it promotes us being a very friendly place for that yeah. um, that's something that would definitely attract people Man, I, I'll tell you what, I just, when you talk about a community that has that level of representation and acceptance, I am immediately drawn to it. Even if I'm in the minority as a mostly straight cis person, I feel so attracted to a community that welcomes folks who might otherwise feel, you know, disenfranchised out in the rest of the world. That's amazing. And, and, and even in my chats with you, Blue, I also will, t- will say, I feel welcome too. Because oh, the community good. just feels that welcoming. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's very cool. Friends, this has been so much fun. I Blue, I loved getting to spend the afternoon with you and learn about furries. And I could not wait to bring you and Coco on to share with the rest of the ABDL world. This, I mean, we have we are scratching the surface, as we know, on furrydom. I love this incredibly creative, diverse, welcoming community. I'm deeply intrigued. So thank you for sharing the ABDL furry overlap with us in the world of furries. Uh, Blue, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Uh, You can either hit me up on Telegram or Discord, um, whichever you prefer. I use both of them religiously. Uh, If you want to hit me up on Telegram, uh, my at would be BassBlitzed. That's B-A-S-S-B-L-I-T-Z-E-D. Or on Discord, it's BassBlitzed, capital B. Uh, 5255 is the discriminator after that little hashtag. Perfect. And Coco, for you, if folks want to get in touch and and connect with you some more, how would they do that? Uh, The best place to probably get a hold of me is on Telegram, uh, at Coco Stoat, capital K-O-K-O, capital S-T-O-A-T. And then I'm also available there on Twitter is another good place to reach out. Same, uh, same name. Same at. Perfect. And uh, I'm Resident Yes. You can always write to me, uh, Resident Yes, uh, on Tumblr and on FatLife and on Instagram, um, but would love to get in touch with you. I'm always so grateful for the folks who come on and share their experience and expertise. And I learned so much. So I'm going to go explore furrydom for a bit. I think that's what I'm going to spend a little bit of my time on. Um, just a reminder, friends, that um, we are always looking for questions. So when I give you that contact info for Resonate Yes, that's not just to say what's up, though I love that, but do send us questions about things that you would love some advice or input on or even topics that you hope get discussed here on Love and Brief. So send us send us your questions. I know sometimes we don't get to them for a month, two months, three months, six months, eight months, a year, uh, but but I do want to get to them. I know RNT and I both love to, to find new questions in our inbox. So do please send them along. Resonate Yes on Tumblr or Instagram or FetLife or loveandbrief at gmail.com. It has been an absolute pleasure and we will see you on our next episode of Love in Brief.